0: Almighty God, whom to know His everlasting life, grant us perfectly to know Your Son, Jesus Christ, to be the way, the truth, and the life. That following His steps, we may steadfastly walk in the way that leads to eternal life. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Lord, 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 Lord. Right, before we get started, we uh, have one of these handouts here. Uh, this is uh, produced by Pastor Blazik. Thank you. And uh, it was just some information about... Uh, St.
1: Patrick. i trying to um, set the record straight. <laughs> Good luck. try yeah. I think there was an article in the newsletter, too, uh, a, a little bit
0: about who Patrick, if I'm not mistaken. But yeah, it, it's, it's amazing to me that St. Patrick and St. Valentine's Day, or Valentine's Day as we call it, you know, are named after saints. And a uh, brief note about Valentines, uh, there were apparently at least three Valentines uh, that were saints and they all were martyred. And I don't know was was St. Patrick martyred too? No, no, he wasn't. But uh, but he you uh, uh, could probably find the the uh, the full length of uh, the uh, St. Patrick's breastplate breastplate in the wording. Uh, but he uh, apparently uh, really greatly emphasized the Trinity. Yes, he did and uh, you know for that for that we are thankful and you notice the dates there he died in 461 he was born around 385 ages. and he was British yes he was yes yeah. not Irish. Is, yeah.
1: right.
0: and, and many you'll get mixed results I'm sure if you look online but uh, many of the uh, traditions that are affiliated with St. Patrick had nothing to do In the same way with St. Valentine's Day, too. There were some discrepancies there. Um, Last week, we were discussing (coughs) Closed Communion, or we began a discussion on Closed Communion, or uh, Closed Communion. It's also known as Close Communion as well, but uh, my understanding is that uh, historically, it was always closed, not close. And I, I think uh, I was reading something that, that noted that the, the use of the word close came from, basically, Baptists, you know, to, uh, to try to emphasize something different. Um, and uh, so we, we had talked about a number of things. Uh, last time, with reference to this, I think we, we, had, talked to, we, we had looked at uh, Luther's Long Catechism at some point in time and uh, address some of the questions i'd like to continue with a discussion looking at uh, these bible passages here as they relate specifically to closed communion which actually is a practice of the historic christian church it's not a novel idea we're very well aware that that lutheran church missouri Synod officially has that as its practice also the
1: catholics the roman catholics and i think do the does anyone know if the
0: orthodox also practice closed communion
1: i believe they do
0: okay Um, so those are you know especially the 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 catholics and the orthodox that's a pretty good (coughs) size of christianity and you know they they have a claim um that uh, they are the historical, more historical churches traditionally, right? Uh, but we know the Catholics and the Orthodox, you know, kind of departed, you know, from the true biblical teaching in, in, in various respects. But they still practice closed communion, and uh, and and some some churches still do the the practice of open communion. If you're a Christian, and I've heard this. In various places. If you're a Christian, come on down, what kind of thing. If you're sorry for your sins, come on down. Without any distinction between the various confessions of faith, we do not believe the same thing that evangelicals do as a denomination. We do not believe the same thing that Catholics do as a denomination. Uh, there are similarities, of course. Um, and, you know, we mentioned, you know, there was some talk about Protestants before. I think we talked about that, too, uh, at some point. But the word Protestant originally referred to... Protesters. Protestants. Right. And I think the date was around 1527, 1529. 1529, which is... Yeah, I mean, 1529, interestingly, just in terms of history, that was also, I believe, the date that, that Luther wrote the Small Catechism or published it, right? But Protestants, not Protestants, but Protestants. Uh, you know, and, and most of the Protestants were Lutheran. Evangelical Lutherans, um, and that's uh, that's a term that was, evangelical is also affiliated with the Lutherans. Because what did they do? They preached the gospel.
1: Yeah. When you were saying orthodox, are you talking about orthodox Greek?
0: Uh, yeah, Greek Orthodox, Greek Russian. Yeah. Yeah. yeah,
1: they're they're kind of Catholic. Eastern Church.
0: There's similarity, but you know there was a break, of course, in 1054. Historically, so before that, the, the Western Church and the Eastern Church were united, more or less. Uh, but uh, after this date, the separation was was clear uh, for various reasons. And orthodox has to do, you know, literally it means right glory. Means what? Right glory. Doxa uh, meaning glory in Greek, and ortho is right.
1: R-I-G-H-T.
0: Right? <clears throat> uh, or, Well, O-R-T-H-O, ortho. You know, so where we get like orthodox, um, orthodoxy, uh, you know, various other terms too. Good morning.
1: sorry.
0: But uh, yeah, so uh, but there, there, you know, sometimes we we'll refer to Orthodox with a lowercase g or lowercase o, yeah.
1: and that refers to right teaching, right? Where the proxy is right practice. Yeah. Sunday, I resolved by one convention. Uh, we declared in convention that Elka was not an Orthodox Lutheran church body in Resolution 3-21 in 2001. Oh, okay. And that statement was taken from President Barry's report to the convention, but he had died just months before the convention. Oh, okay. Yeah. And then yeah. the <laughs> But God had a plan.
0: God's in charge. Yeah. So we, we uh, you know we we have this and uh, yeah so uh, yeah various various differences of course between the Orthodox and, and, and Catholics um, but there are similarities too and and one is that both uh, church bodies actually accept the apocryphal writings as canonical. I, I, we know the Catholic Church does. Uh, but uh, I, I think the, the official canon in the Orthodox Church is the Greek Bible. Well, it's the right. Greek Old Testament, which is the Septuagint, which includes the apocryphal writings as well as the Greek New Testament. Yes. Yeah. But the Hebrew Old Testament does not contain the apocryphal writings. So, uh, let's, uh, let's look at Acts chapter 2 to begin with. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. And if you find it, just go ahead and you know, um, read right.
1: it out.
0: It's a short passage, right? But there is, there is much here. So they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That is what the apostles taught, of course, right? And we might recall that from John 14... Uh, Jesus promised the disciples that he would send them the helper, the paraclete, the spirit of truth who would bring to remembrance all that he had taught them. Guess what then the apostles taught? What Jesus himself taught, right? Mm. As, as the spirit moved them uh, to remember and, uh, and and to speak. So, so this is really, te- you know, there, this is kind of, this is really talking about doctrine. They were teaching the doctrine, the teaching of the apostles. Um, so they devoted themselves to the the, the the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. And what, what's what's amazing when we find the word fellowship in uh, in the New Testament, it's not just you know getting around, you know, gathering for like a meal kind of thing. There's a spiritual dimension there in the word. Right, and that's so the teaching and, and the fellowship; uh, those two go together. So we're not just talking about a coffee hour with reference mm-hmm. to the New Testament Church. Um, so you know, oftentimes, and, and the Greek word there is koinonia, which is sometimes translated communion, um, but it's not just uh, it's, it's it's not a communion without the Lord's Supper generally. And there's reference to that then the breaking of the bread. Is basically shorthand for Holy Communion, and this is what the early Christians did. And notice, um, you know, there there are, there are other places too. Every Lord's Day, when they gra- when they gather, you know, kind of thing. And uh, let's see, I, I have something about that just with reference to the frequency.
1: Um,
0: yeah, I mean, we, we talked about this a little bit before, but um, and I'm I'm going to jump around here a little bit, but. In 1 Corinthians 11, 26, you don't have to go there. I'll just read it. We'll go there a little bit later. Um, Paul writes, as often as you eat this bread and drink this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And then in Acts chapter 2, they continued steadfastly in doctrine and fellowship, in the breaking of the bread, and in prayers, um, which would indicate that they did this on a regular basis.
1: Yeah. Maybe you're about to say this, but uh, before we leave Acts 2:42, I always understood that passage uh, as defining the church. What uh, some have called these are the four distinguishing marks, or, or the marks of the church. Right. That where where the body of Christ is, you'll find all four of these happening. And, and I jumped ahead of myself. But the two distinguishing marks of the four marks. Are the the doctrine and the Lord's Supper? Because you can you can join an organization like the Elk or the Moose or something. You have fellowship and right. prayer, right. but it's not the church, right. yeah. you know, or the Boy Scouts even. You know, you have fellowship and prayer, but you don't have the doctrine of the apostles and, and the Lord's Supper. But but if you're looking for the church, it should have these four marks that are defined in Acts.
0: So we have apostolic teaching, we have uh, fellowship and communion, um, and the prayers, and of course, you know, in other places too. Of course, the readings. And what do we do on Sunday morning? Right, all four of them. Right. You know, and and so you know, the prayers. Um, I would I would imagine that these prayers are not just extemporaneous prayers. You know, we, we think extemporaneous is basically off fly or on the fly right um and and i'm not speaking against that but when 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 prayer is used and we think of like in the old testament too um you know when when prayers are spoken these may be extemporaneous but they also may very well be liturgical kind of prayers too you know so uh, you know we we have like in the psalms um you know one of one could say that the psalms are nothing but prayers uh, so, so even when we like for for this evening, um, kind of a lengthier psalm that actually, interestingly, is not in LSB. Which is kind of, it's in the Bible, but it's not in LSB. It's Psalm 35. 35. yes. 35. Um, it's it's kind of lengthy, but but we, we see that there are prayers throughout the psalms, and these are appropriate to sing. And we also know historically that uh, the, the the psalms were, you know. Are, are sometimes considered the hymn book of the Old Testament. Um, so they would, state, they would recite these, they would say these, they would pray the psalms, they would sing the psalms uh, during their services too. Right? So, so all these things, it sounds a lot like church going on. And that's exactly what they did. And, and really that's one of the reasons why um, Christians gather together. It's not just for friendship. But rather for, you know, we've used uh, phrases like this uh, in previous occasions, but the mutual consolation of the brethren. Whenever Christians gather together, and I I think Luther pointed out, whenever Christians gather together, it should always be, you know, there should always be the word there. as well, the word, and prayer, and so on and so forth. And that's exactly what we do at church. So we have these things. The breaking of the bread, of course, uh, refers to the Lord's Supper. Now, what is the Lord's Supper? First Corinthians ten, verse sixteen. <clears throat> and we'll be in First Corinthians a little bit today. If uh, when you find it, could someone read it? Please?
1: The cup of blessing that we bless is it not a participation in the blood of Christ? the bread that we break, is it not a participation in the body of Christ?
0: Okay. So that word there, um, you know, participation is a word, and perhaps it's a synonym, but, but really, again, the Greek word is koinonia. You know, so participation uh you know, fellowship with, uh, communion with, you know, and in the body of Christ. So again, we have the horizontal, but especially the vertical, simultaneously. You know, it's not, it's not like okay, we have the vertical in one part of it and then horizontal. No, it's a both and, not either or. You know, kind of thing. Um, and and this this uh, this phraseology, I, I think. Um, You know, it's very clear the cup of blessing that we bless. Of course, what does that refer to? Not the cup itself, but the contents of the cup, right? You know. So, um, you know, when, when, when we're talking with our friends about what the Lord's Supper is, you know, that are that are not Lutheran. I mean, Paul says right here, the cup of blessing which we bless is in our participation, communion in the blood of Christ. In other words. If you get the one, you get the other too. It
1: is. So the word of Christ with the element—it's kind of like baptism. With stuff, that it's just water. Yeah. yeah. So, so any if you have the word with <laughs> the element, and the blessing is—is is right. what we call the words of institution, is what I understand right? Yeah. I, I mean, you know, the the what, what does it mean to participate to
0: commune in the blood of Christ? You know, and it, there's no reference here to spiritual. Symbolic, representative—you get the real thing. And you know, we'll we'll follow that with with that from uh, First Corinthians um, chapter eleven. But uh, you know, perhaps there's more to to be said here as well. Um, You know, participation in the blood of um, Christ—again, the the vertical, of course, is there. uh, But if I'm communing with Christ, I'm also communing with those that I'm communing with, right? It's, you know, you know it, it came about, you know, using the term Protestant again, um, you know, th- this is kind of maybe American theology in a way, uh, but we are very individualistic. Um, whereas the early Christians, you know, we can see this in the Acts of the Apostles, especially in chapter two, they were communal. In other words, and, and it's surprising uh, to me. We, we read this uh, in, uh, in in junior catechesis. You know the account of Acts chapter two, where um, where the the people had everything in common. Mm-hmm. You know, and my my my, I remember years ago when I uh, was reflecting on that. It's like this sounds a lot like what is called communism,
1: <laughs> but it's not.
0: You know, it's, it's, not, it's not a controlled government experiment, you know, or like in China, where you have the government basically owning the companies and saying, okay, mandating. Oh, right, maybe I shouldn't use that word. Um, but, uh, um, but, you know, just kind of dictating, and I shouldn't use that word either. Um but, but all of this stuff that's going on in terms of, you know, the, the, the powers that be saying, you're going to do this, you're going to, oh, you're going to wear masks. And <laughs> yeah. so we say you can't wear masks, and, and, and et, cetera, et cetera, It wasn't like that at all. You know, um, but actually the, the people um, in, in Acts chapter 2, where, where we read there, they had all things in common. They brought their proceeds to the apostles, and they gave to the, to the people as they had need you know and and the like Uh, times were very different um than they are today um but uh but but you know there was not that individualism that we so so readily cling to today and that also transpires then into communion as well you know this idea in many protestant communions for example you know um, they only speak of the vertical they don't speak of the horizontal Because even that, they say, is individual. And yes, it is. But it's not individual only. Right? There is also that dimension of, you know, and and I I think this is somewhat lost in our society today, and and even in Christendom as a whole, it does matter what church you belong to. It's not just a club. Right? Right. We make a big deal about this, you know, and and that's why we we spend actually... (laughs) Hours, upon hours and hours, instructing those who desire to, be, to, to learn about the faith, who mm-hmm. desire to become members. Um, we call it confirmation, and you can call it other things, catechesis, whatever. But, but really, the, the, the point is to ensure that those who desire um, you know, to become members actually know what we believe and believe what we believe, as we believe. And, and there's a huge distinction because, and we, you know, thinking of, I'm thinking of Catholics and what we spoke about uh, last week as well. I, I know some who are in ELCA congregations where well, I don't believe what the ELCA teaches, but it's my church. Yeah. Um, sadly, they are greatly influenced, possibly without even knowing it. You know, um, people grow over time. I don't know if you've noticed that. You know, where you are today is probably somewhat different even if you live in the same place. Uh, Or if you don't live in the same place, you're very, you're you're kind of a different person now in terms of experiences and everything that you were 30 years ago.
1: Even a year ago.
0: (laughs) Even a year ago. It can be really quick, too there's there's been a, a number of bumps in the road this past year right i mean a lot I of i don't changes remember the past place. year nothing happened except <laughs> yeah. looking at the four walls it was all the same wasn't
1: it every day yeah. but year yeah. ever. a lot of your i'm familiar with
0: confirmation in catholic church yeah and lutheran C- C- church what is it called i want to say ccd communion ccd ccd, C-C-D but uh
1: confraternity of Catholic doctrine the uh, mm. the Protestant churches I'm familiar with don't have anything like that and they'll have a little book the Baptists have the Baptist faith and promise or something that you never see yeah and mm. and you go around ignorant of the actual teaching of the church most of your life right only if you become interested in I mean, really interested? Do you go dig it out? Right. This is one of the few places
0: that uh, that I'm familiar with. That I really know where I'm going uh, liturgically. Right. I really know why. And uh, yeah, it's overall, it's a good thing.
1: Oh yeah,
0: yeah. Well, and and you know, one yeah. of the big faith and promise, I think. That's just faith and promise. Okay. There, there there's a huge. Uh, distinction uh, among Christians and, and denominations, and one of them has to do with their confessions and how they see them. Mm-hmm.
1: Um,
0: for Lutherans, uh, you, you can't speak about Lutheranism without also speaking about Lutheran confessions.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: You can't. Um, what's, what's really surprising to me, and, and with, with the, the Reformed, you know, especially the uh, more of the, the you know, there, there's actually a, an Orthodox Presbyterian Church, <laughs> you uh, which you know, no, no, there is, I, I don't think it's that large, but very distinct from like uh, Presbyterian USA,
1: yeah.
0: you know, or you know, there 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 are more conservative, theologically conservative uh, United Methodist congregations too mm-hmm. um, that are not United Methodist Church. You know, primitive. or I, I don't know if there's a primitive, but uh, there's different names um, that are given. Um, but uh, but a lot of this has to do with their confessions, you know. So if you want to know what a church body believes, um, you know, um, officially, of course, you have to you have to listen to what they actually say, right? Uh, but but a good place to start is with their confessions.
1: Mm-hmm. Yeah i forget. Is it is it the Orthodox Presbyterian Church or the Church of Scotland? Has the is it the Westminster Catechism?
0: The once, yeah. The the I think it's yeah the Westminster Confession. Confession. Of, you know, there's but it's, the, but it's in
1: a catechetical form. It asks a question, yeah. and gives an answer. Right. It's got that form
0: formation yeah. sort. And you know, I because I'm 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 Lutheran. I'm not Baptist or Reformed or Presbyterian and the like. I know they have their books, yeah. but one of the questions is how. How closely do they follow them? Um, because you know, you might recall in uh, 1530 with the Augsburg Confession. I mean, this was the confession of Lutherans, you know, and and they were so just you know, kind of stepping away from or distinguishing themselves from the Catholics, but also from the radical reformers and those who also were reformers but went further
1: mm.
0: and taught differently. Than the Lutherans did, and you know so so with reference you know even today sadly we have to make distinctions between Lutherans and Lutherans, let alone Christians, and it, it's really um, it's it's really striking to many Christians, especially outside of Lutherans, Lutheranism, and even within Lutheranism, to speak about confessions because the idea that some have is okay, you're speaking more about the confessions than about the Bible, but the confessions. We hold the confessions to be true uh, because they are correct exposition of Scripture in terms of what Scripture teaches, right? Um,
1: and in light of error.
0: Yeah, yeah. So they, they they contrast, and it's 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 always amazing to me how open the confessions are about we believe, teach, and confess, and then they also say we also deny. If you have the one without the other, then that's that's acceptance. Right? So if you say, you know, we didn't we accept that Jesus Christ is the Savior. If you don't say, but we deny, you know, then how are people gonna hear that? You know, generally speaking, well, okay, I don't have Jesus as my savior, but things are still okay. You know, because that's just an opinion. And you hear more of that today, right? I mean even in, in some churches. Well that's your opinion. Well, that's your, your view. Um, when it comes to God's Word and what He says, it's not a view. No, it's absolutely it's not an opinion. and white. Henry. Speaking about the Lord's Supper then, can it be anything other than what Jesus Himself has said? And the answer is no. So if you say it, it's anything different than what the Lord says, then you're speaking contrary to what Jesus Himself said. You know, and, and, um, you know, so if you want to know what a church believes, you know, don't, don't, if they say, and and many will say, well, we believe the Bible. Great. What do you believe about the Bible? What does it actually say? And that's where you determine whether they're Christian or not. You know, so... um, in, in all that they teach, you know, and, and what we what we find today in, in today's Christendom, and it's always been this way too, there are consistencies and there are inconsistencies. There are teachings that are according to Scripture, there are teachings that are not according to Scripture, in various fellowships. So, you know, to, to, to pick on, uh, you know, one group, I won't say Uh, names of of the group, but uh, you might uh, know what I'm talking about, to say that the Lord's Supper is, you know, only a representation of Christ's body and blood. And at the same time, they will say that we're saved by grace through faith. That's nothing but inconsistency. And that's why also in many fellowships like that, and and the Lutherans I I think are, are very unique here, when we speak of means of grace, it kind of goes along with what we spoke about with reference to the divine service itself and how God works. Reminds me of what uh, you know Peter's confession, where you know he got he he got the words right about who Jesus was, but how he was Jesus, at the time he got wrong. And I would I would uh, you know commend to you this idea that uh, that many say they get Jesus right. But how he works, they don't. With reference to the means of grace, what is the means of grace? And, and, and this is this this is the state of affairs in which we're in. I, I remember, um, you know, hearing years ago about something called dedication instead of baptism. Oh yeah, yeah. You know, and it sounds kind of pious. You know, we dedicate this child to the Lord because uh, well, we're waiting for him to or her to make the decision. Kind of thing. And I remember in uh, in uh, one a uh, class that I taught with with Concordia, one of the students actually was of that kind, you know that uh, that that went to such a fellowship. And I asked him, you know, what what is the biblical support for dedication? And it kind of surprised me because he did have a Bible passage, okay. <laughs> um, you know, and and the one that he and I, I can't remember exactly, um, you know, the reference, but where 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 uh, where people were bringing children to Jesus,
1: mm-hmm.
0: Matthew or Mark 10, you know, and I, I think it was Mark 10, but uh, various other places where people were bringing children to Jesus, and the ch- and, and the disciples rebuked them. Yeah.
1: Um,
0: and and actually, in our rite of holy baptism, that's the passage we use. Yeah, that, that's the <laughs> passage we use. So, and actually, uh, yeah, you should have your your here. Let's uh, look at that very briefly. Um,
1: Let's see.
0: On page 268. Um, oh, actually, it's 269. It's from Mark 10, verse 13 to 16. But on page 269, the Gospel according to Mark. They brought young children to Jesus that he might touch them, but the disciples rebuked those who brought them. When Jesus saw it, he was greatly displeased and said to them, Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them. This is the the passage, at least I was told by this individual, by the student, that they use for dedication. Let the little children come to me and do not forbid them, for such is the kingdom of God. Assuredly, I say to you, whoever does not receive the kingdom of God as a little child will by no means enter it. And we, we didn't get a chance, or we didn't talk about this, but, you know, I, I didn't share this or talk about uh, this with a student, but receiving the kingdom of God is very explicitly set here. You bring a child to Jesus, how does that relate then to receiving the kingdom of God? And that's something that they would deny. Because they have not made a choice, which is kind of intriguing to me, because uh, it's it's very inconsistent. Well,
1: but yeah, it does say and and bless them. I mean, right. That's where they're getting the dedication.
0: Yeah, but is it a blessing not to give the real thing, not to give baptism? No, and and, and some will so say, that's
1: say that's where they're getting where they're, where
0: they're Well, and and but but according to their theology, and this is. According to their teaching, the teaching of these groups that deny infant baptism, what are they denying explicitly to the children? Faith. Not only faith. They're denying grace, God's promise. Yeah, they're denying grace. They're denying forgiveness. They're denying eternal life to this child based on their false teaching
1: that the child can't make a choice. Yeah. Again, it's the you know who's doing the doing. Who's in charge of the verb? Because, uh, you know, in the reform thing, they are bringing the child, they are dedicating the child. Or even later when the child gets older, the child makes a decision, whatever. It's always, well, you know, from a reform view, yeah. they're in the subject of the sentence. Yeah. But here, Jesus takes them up in his arms and he blesses them they receive the kingdom of God, not by what they do, but right. what, what Jesus does to right. do them for them. Yeah.
0: And I, I, would, I would also suggest that because of their because of their position, and I'm, I'm speaking generically here, but because of their teaching of faith, they, they, they can do nothing else but deny infant baptism. Or make receiving the Lord's Supper dependent on you. Follow, yes. Because because many of these groups will say you have to make a choice, i.e. you are able to make a choice, which Scripture adamantly denies. You know, Paul says faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the word of Christ. Not faith comes by doing, and by your own doing. Um, also, uh, and, and you know, uh, there's the other place in John five or six, I think, where it is where where the, where, where the Jews asked Jesus, um, you know, what work shall we do that we do the works of God? And Jesus explicitly says, this is the work of God, that you believe in Him whom He sent. Which is to say, if you believe in Him whom He sent, then you have that faith as given by God to believe because that's His work, not yours.
1: He puts God back on the subject. Yeah. And then John 3... Another place, you know, 5 and 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. You can't be born of the Spirit apart from the Spirit, doing the birthing. Because that which is the flesh, that which is of the
0: flesh, remains of the flesh unless less change. So, you know, uh, so Paul says in another place, if anyone is in Christ, he is new creation. Well, how do, you be, how do you get in Christ? Yeah. You say faith... But again, this faith is a gift of God. You know, um, so you know the desire to have God's mercy, that's not your work. That's God's
1: work. I, mean, his work. Yeah. I think uh, in the English translations, which you know, they're they're good, but when you come across a word like or a verb like receive mm-hmm. to all those who receive, mm-hmm. you know, I think that's in John chapter one. Right. Yeah. But what we don't necessarily catch is the difference between an active verb and a passive verb form. Because, I mean, when I was born, I received life. Yeah. But, you know, when I was baptized, I, I was baptized, I, I received it, but I was the passive recipient of it. Someone gave it to me. Someone initiated it. And I think so. that's what kind of maybe muddles us for the reform. Because they see receive as something you have to do. And they don't catch the fact that you are a passive recipient of God's grace and his gift to us. So this
0: of course also applies to the Lord's Supper then. Absolutely. You know, and, and when when we speak of validity, for example, my faith, my unbelief doesn't change what I receive. It doesn't change what it is. And this is another uh, this is another yeah. aspect of various fellowships when it comes to the Lord's Supper. Uh, some will say that you know you receive what you believe which is not what scripture teaches us. So um, we're in first Corinthians ten I believe they'll go to first first Corinthians chapter eleven. Thank you. And in first Corinthians chapter eleven, I mean it's It's wild because, uh, you know, Paul is actually saying when you come together, it's not to eat the Lord's Supper. Why?
1: Because.
0: In verse 18, in the first place, uh, I hear that there are divisions among you. And I believe it in part, for there must be factions. Um, And I I think actually the interestingly, uh, yeah, the word here is heresy. Oh, yeah. And he notes this, Paul does in, in, in the very first chapter of this letter. You know, I've heard that there are heresies among you. Some say I'm a Paul, and some say I'm a Peter, and, and so on and so forth. But then he says, let all of you speak the same thing. And, and this is a theme in, in his other letters, too, that they be united in the faith. Uh, but, but they're not united in the faith here. <laughs> There must be factions among you in order that those who are genuine among you may be recognized when you come together. Then it is not the Lord's supper that you eat. Uh, jump to verse 23 and 26. Actually, uh, 23 to 26. We we've, we've read that before. We've heard that before. We hear it pretty much every Sunday. That's something very akin to it. Um, what follows then, of course, in verse 27 is. is, is uh, is quite profound. Whoever eats the bread or drinks the cup of the Lord in an unworthy manner will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So if you, you know, if you you eat and drink in a worthy manner, you still receive the body and blood of the Lord, but not for judgment. Not for judgment. And not in guilt. However, notice, you know, And and this begs the question, then, what does it mean to be unworthy, right? And and Paul continues uh, a little bit later uh, with that in verse 28 and following. But uh, for the time being, whoever eats and drinks the, the cup of the Lord, eats the bread or drinks the cup in an unworthy manner, will be guilty concerning the body and blood of the Lord. So, Whether you're worthy or unworthy, or whether you partake in an unworthy or a worthy manner, you still receive the body and blood of the Lord. That's what Paul is saying. So if someone doesn't believe in what the Lord's Supper is, let alone is
1: Christian, they should not be receiving the Lord's Supper, because to do
0: so is to bring about judgment home. other fellowships don't agree with that but this is you know this is what paul himself says concerning what the lord's supper is my faith my unbelief doesn't change what i receive whether you know if i if i don't believe i still receive the body and blood of christ if i believe i receive the body and blood of christ because the receiving what it is is not dependent on me now whether it you know if it's beneficial if it's a blessing or a judgment that is dependent on faith, but we distinguish between validity and blessing. Also, with reference to baptism. So you know, you know, how do we get from how do we get you know uh, you know from from adults believing to children believing? Well, who gives the faith? If, if the faith is given by God, well, why can't children then believe? Even if we cannot see an expression of that, I mean, I, I've been, and, and you've probably experienced this too with baptisms. Um, you know, sometimes the the child is so calm until you pour the water on their forehead, <laughs> right? And then they scream and scream. Does that mean that they haven't received? No. It just means they're crying because it's 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 uh, it's startling. Um, the fact that they don't believe doesn't. Doesn't change what they receive. Sometimes I, I use this uh, you know uh, you know reference to Jesus Christ died. We just had a text from John three. If I believe, if if I don't believe, does that change what Jesus did on the cross for me? no. It just means you don't believe it. If I believe it, that still doesn't change what Jesus Christ did on the cross for me. But now. I recognize and acknowledge that it's for me that he did this right so my, my my faith my unbelief doesn't change what God himself has done what God himself is doing uh, also with means of grace um, and, and I'll, I'll, I'll kind of reiterate this too you know um, and encourage this point just because I don't believe the truth doesn't mean it's true it doesn't mean it's not true truth is truth is truth because it is truth And I say that, of course, because people say all the time, "Well, that might be true for you, but it's not true for me, yeah, right?" Or truth is what you make it out to be. Well, no. I mean, if, if you know, we were talking about this yesterday for some reason. But uh, uh, cars, vehicles, can be a deadly weapon. You know that? Yes. Um, if, if truth is what I make it, you know. Well, if I don't believe that car is going to do any damage to me, you know. Um, I don't want to say try it out, but um, you might get injured. You know, there's a reason why. I mean, warning. I mean, if you follow this to the T, truth is what you make it out to be. What do you do with those warning labels on tools? You, you know, for example, you know, be careful because if you mix, you know, or chemicals, don't mix, what is it, bleach and chlorine?
1: Bleach and ammonia. Or and, and ammonia. Okay, thank you.
0: Um, you probably shouldn't be breathing in ammonia anyway. But mixing that with another, you know, why is that? You know, you can believe all you want what is false, but that doesn't change the end result. Okay, I think Charlie had something
1: first and then Verse 29, uh, I've got a note in my Bible to look at Hebrews 10, 29. And it, it comes across a little bit more forcefully, if that's possible.
0: Okay, so Hebrews 10, 29, you said? Yeah. Let's let's look at that after the break. Okay. So, um, and then Wayne, did you have a comment? Okay. So let's. um, Yeah, because you're you're getting ahead of me a little bit. Uh, We're not quite there yet, but uh, but we'll start at uh, we'll we'll start at uh, uh, 28 uh, when we come back to the break.
1: Okay. In a few minutes. Yeah.